0: Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. The world needs the Gospel and we're doing all that we can to bring it to them. To learn more about our work and where you can contribute to this mission, go to www.traincpe.org traincpe.org, or breadoflifeboise.org. And now to God's Word. In Matthew 24, verses 36 through 51, our Lord Jesus speaks of the last days of the great tribulation, and he allows those he is speaking to to be transported into that moment. His application to them is, you watch, you be faithful, you be wise. Now there will be believers in those last days of the great tribulation who will read those words and know that they are particularly written for themselves, but they are for you too and they are for me, they are for us all. The days of judgment are upon us, and we are not to whistle past the graveyard, and we're not to keep on with hypocritical appearances. We are to be faithful and wisely fix our eyes on Christ until the day of His coming. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not expect it. And then in verses 45 to 47, he gives them another application, which is that they're to be faithful to him, constantly true to him. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in their due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find doing so. Assuredly, I say to you, they don't make him ruler over all his goods." God was speaking to, Christ was speaking to Peter, James, and John, and as he spoke to them, he was willing to take these three individuals and cast their minds imaginatively into that very moment and that very age, and and the Lord Jesus knew that they were going to be experiencing great destruction, and they were going to be in the midst of spasms of these kinds of events throughout their lives, and it was okay, it was right for them to think that they lived in that moment in which the end of the age had come. And this is the kind of response he's asking from them. At the same time, the Lord Jesus says you because he's looking past Peter, James, and John because he cares for us and he cares for people down through the history of the ages and he's speaking to those who will be at the very end of the tribulation and they'll have access to this book and they'll read it and they'll read these words and they'll read the you there and they'll know it's them that Christ was speaking to and they'll know it's a word for them in the middle of all the catastrophe and all the dangers that are around them. They're being warned to be alert so that they're not deceived. They're being warned to be attentive to the hand of God and the judgment that's taking place. They're being told to prepare themselves because at any moment Christ was going to return to make sure that they were in the boat with him, that they were relying in him, that they were living under his blood, that they were accepting and professing the gospel as their only hope. And they're being called upon to be faithful and constantly true in their service of him and in their walk of holiness even as the hour becomes more... And more destructive. And even as the world is dwindling and moving faster and faster into judgment. They are to know that Christ the judge is at the door. And and Christ is speaking to us as well. We have this same injunction laid upon us. We're to live being alert. We're to be prepared. We're to be faithful. The gospel says that Jesus Christ has come and died in the place for our sins. That he's born our judgment that he's risen to be our salvation, that we are safe from wrath if we come by faith to rest in him alone. The gospel delivers us from the captivity of sin. It delivers us to live for God and live in the freedom that God gives us serving him and obeying him and following him and my life is now to be set in my security in him alone. And is there ever a time when I can live without my eyes on Jesus? when I can withdraw my hope of salvation from him and place it in anything else, I must be alert to a heart that wanders from the gospel. I must be alert from a heart that would somehow trust in whatever I've perfected in my religious performance and whatever I have designed as the place that assures me in myself and my activities and how good I am that I'm good or from a mind that somehow says there's just gonna be, you know, love is gonna win. And everybody's going to be safe, and everything's going to be good in the end, so I'll just enjoy myself. I must always be alert from a heart that wanders from the gospel, wanders away from Christ. And having begun my life by trusting in the saving life of Jesus given in my place, is there ever a time in my life where I could be found trusting in something other than him? and not leaning upon him and resting upon him and residing in him from moment to moment. I must always live prepared, always live answering the challenges of life, under the covering of his shed blood for my sins, always covering myself with his righteousness, covering up the nakedness of my own deceitful and sinful heart with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. My preparation in this world is to daily clothe myself in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. is to live my life as him being my only source and my only strength against the destructive forces of evil that rise up in my age. I need to walk with him all the time as my provision, as my protection, as my promise. And he'll bring me to the end of the journey safe and sound. I must be prepared in this way to meet the challenges that come upon me every single day. And now saved by Christ... Now saved by Christ, should I live against him? Now saved by his faithfulness to come and take all my sins upon himself, should I turn against him anyway, any way? Or must I be faithful? I must be faithful. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. If I choose to live in any moment as if Jesus did not matter or count in my considerations, it would be sin. It would be a faithless act. We're to live as though the judge would be before us at any moment and we would be be before the judge. We're to live so that we might meet him as one we're claiming as Savior and Lord at every moment of our lives. These parables bring great warning. I want you to see at the end of the parables, the warning is that those who do not heed them and heed these warnings will be destroyed with all the hypocrites. But here's the wonderful truth. The hypocrite will hear and read what is spoken here in this passage, and they'll go on playing the part. But the true child of God will read these warnings and will say, oh God, don't let that ever be said of me. Oh God, may I be true to you. When we were raising our children up, we uh, had a, a way of wanting to communicate to them. We wanted them to know about the salvation that God gave. We wanted them to give their lives to Christ. We didn't press it upon our kids when they were too young. We didn't want them to make a decision from our own authority or by us pressuring them. In fact, when our children were little, we actually would say, well, when you're a little older, we'll explain this to you. If they started asking us about spiritual things and particularly about how they could be saved. Well, at some point in time, we'll share it with you, but we just didn't wanna bear that kind of influence upon. We knew We could see the Spirit of God was at work in their hearts and their lives, and we trusted that God would keep them until that moment when it was time for them to make a decision. As they got older, it kind of changed. We all sudden the conversation changed. Listen, if you're going to pretend or claim to be a Christian, you better make sure that you've done business with God, that you've turned your life over to Lord Jesus, that you've surrendered Him, you've received Him as your Savior, that you're trusting Him as your only hope. You're, You're not a Christian because you go to church. You're not a Christian because your parents are Christians. You're only saved if you get into the boat if you trust in Jesus as your salvation, if you you turn from your sin and you received Him, but some of our children though did find other people to go and talk to, uh, we didn't give them a satisfactory answer, so they'd go ask somebody else in the church. One of them was a our our son John Barry, and so when John Barry was about three or four years old, we we actually heard him praying a little prayer: "Oh God, clean out my dirty, dirty heart." I remember hearing the prayer. My wife and I were praying because he kept asking us questions and we, we didn't know what to do. Lord, we don't know what to say to this little boy. He keeps pestering us about this and we're, we're trying to be wise and the house was quiet at that time and we, we began to think, uh-oh, something's wrong here. He's probably making a mess somewhere. So we tried to find out what he's doing and we found him kneeling by the couch and we heard those words. Clean out my dirty, dirty heart and come into the heart and make me new. And well, we kind of stepped back, tears in our eyes, but you know, we never really told him. We never said anything to him. I did let him overhear me throughout the time that he was growing up, speaking to my friends on the phone or talking to people that are in our homes, that were visiting us in our homes. I would say something like this. Well, you know, when John Berry was a little boy, three or four years old, he he made a profession to give his life to the Lord Jesus. And who knows whether little children are just playing games? Who knows whether little children are sincere sincere or not? I know they just wanna follow and be like us. If they've been sincere, it'll prove itself over his life. It'll demonstrate in it in his love for God and his desire to please him and serve him and he'll grow if it was true and if it was real. And I wanted to hear me say those words. If he was just going along with the play, he'd just go along with the play. But if it had been genuine and of God, I know what the Spirit of God would stir up within him. I want to prove my life in my love for the Lord Jesus. I want to prove what God did in my life by my faithfulness to him. I want to grow in the things that he's revealed to me. I want to grow more and more in my faith. That's what I wanted him to answer. That's what I wanted him to hear. That's what I wanted this. I wanted to give it as an opportunity for the spirit to stir up that kind of response in him. Now listen, a stern message like this can only do two things. I'm going to bank on the game I've been playing. I'll just be a good uniform Christian so I can impress people and I'll, I'll prove that I'm all right. Or, oh God, I want to be faithful to you to the end. Even if you're bringing judgment around all of us, I want to hold on to you, securing you to the end. Oh, Jesus, may I faithful be. Give me the power. Give me the power. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. That's the grace of God teaching your heart to fear. and the grace of God, your fears relieving. Let's bow our heads. We do not have to live in fear of that day, oh God. It doesn't have to fill us with consternation. Oh, when we see evidence of the day breaking, it surprises us, and for a moment, there's a flash of concern. All the things we hold dear and that we've held onto and we've been so comfortable with, the threat that it might be taken away from us. But then, we who know you do the inventory. And we say, take the world, but give me Jesus. You're all we want. It's your life, your salvation. We thank you, O God, for the days of judgment when you start shaking the foundations beneath us. You show us where we've treaded out and we've laid out some portion of our lives in the wrong place. Shake it away. We might draw into the sure foundation of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has prevailed on our behalf and is coming to receive us to himself and to bring us into his unending kingdom. We'll give you glory for that. Dear God, as the world finds themselves either blinded by the lies they tell themselves or as they answer the anxiety they feel and as it comes upon them with, with just temporary solutions whistling past the graveyard, for us, dear God, may we stand out markedly as those exuding a deep, profound assurance because our rest is in the eternal rock, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the righteousness that we have through him alone. For those, dear God, that know, no, they're just delaying, may this hour bring an end to the delay. May the Spirit come upon them and say, these days are ahead. but My salvation is for you now. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. I want to direct you now to a different website at the end of our broadcast than I usually do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 commands that the Christian test themselves to see if they're in the faith. In answer to this command and with the desire to bring Christians into a sound and true assurance of saving faith, we've developed a website and a book for this purpose. Go to SavingEvangelicals.com and take the test and order the book by the same name, Saving Evangelicals. I can't think of a more important book for our day. Again, thanks for listening to the Bread of Life. Until the next time, may God bless you.